Is this thing on? It is, baby. We are on fire. I thought I smelled something. <laughs> it's a tasty beat. It just got me going. Yeah, something mm. was going on over there. <laughs> I don't know what it was, but... Oh, Lordy Lou. There was something going on. Indeedy do. Hi, Podcat. Welcome, everybody, to another installment of Counting Worms. Yeah, that is what we're doing here. That (laughs) That is what we're doing. That is what we're doing here. My name is Scott. And I'm Sarah, in case you you didn't know that. Yeah, if you jumped right ahead to this episode, you don't know who the heck we are. Or what we're doing here. Yeah. This is a podcast all about... Uh, mm, I don't know. Uh, yeah, don't know. a little, what is this little about? bit of everything. Yeah, Social bit. Darwinism. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Pe- uh, people who meet their untimely end. Yeah, by doing typically pretty stupid things. Yeah, being removed from the gene pool. And then there's also the true crime true aspect. Crime. That, yeah, true you know, crime, horrible murder, people that do horrible, horrible things. things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and the law enforcement officers that hunt them bastards down, like Joe Kenda. Yeah, God, oh, we love Joe Kenda. We love Joe Kenda. Tonight's and many other and many other great great people. Yeah, many other great officers. Many, many, many. I mean, we have to all, all over the all over the world and and elsewhere. And, yeah. Yeah. All so, right. So I'm going to I'm going to share something. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I know that the the people are wondering how our square dancing lesson went. What? Yeah. And what? so I want to tell you that oh we have God. now completed two. And the guy we went there to punk hasn't shown up to either one of them. <laughs> Palmer. <laughs> but but I now swear. now we are having fun and meeting some new folks and uh, oh God, we're we're into it. we're into square dan- we're square dancers. I mean, we can well, say that now. One of us is. Oh, come on, baby. You're doing good. Love you there. So anyway. Anyway. So tell me about this episode. What is going on here? We I'm, are I'm totally number, unprepared. number 26. Number 26. Ah, 26. It's a big one. You know and, what that uh, means, right? <laughs> it means I'm going to throw this cat on your side of the table. And number 26, today we're going to do irony at its best or worst, depending on what's, you know, what's how you look at it. Yeah. How you look at it. Um, Golly. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days. He's like two feet thick. (laughs) I know. (laughs) One of these days we need to, we need to set up a a camcorder, do this live show. Exactly. We need to do a live show here so that people can see that we're not exaggerating this stupid cat. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So it's all about ironic deaths. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, Well, I got a few stories. You got uh, a few stories? I do. What else do do you have for us today? I I thought you spent a little time. Well, you threw me out. Oh, that. Oh. You spent some. I mean, if you threw me out, there has to be a reason for it. That's right. That's right. Okay. So I did do a song. You do get a little distracted. Uh, I do with this podcast. (laughs) This big fat toad sitting on this table. (laughs) All right. So you ready for this one? Pathetic animal throwing himself at us. He's, He's trying to have his butt on Scott's paper and his head on my paper. I kind of wish it was the other way around. <laughs> All right, baby, ready? Oh, yeah, let's, let's hear it. Let's okay. see what you got. Okay. Some people die in an ironic way Like a smoker bludgeoned to death by an ashtray 
the nature lover eaten by a grizzly bear Or the sweater thief strangled by his outerwear Will you play a song or take an arrow to the face Drowning at a lifeguard party is a total disgrace Doing cockfights for money makes you very sick What you gonna do when the rooster slices off your dick? It's very <laughs> ironic <laughs> These deaths are very ironic Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. How'd you like that one, baby? I like that one Hope I didn't give too much away you, Well, you, you tapped into some past episodes That yeah. was kind of cool You that like was kinda that cool. That's yeah, right, cause we the do sweater have, and... Yeah, we do, we do have some, some that could have doubled down for tonight but That's we just had already blown it in well i had to rhyme episode. with bear and yeah. I, out, out popped outerwear and yeah I, thought, hmm, huh. I can make use can, of that yeah thank you rhymezone.com <laughs> all right maybe should i start with the first story yeah roll with it let's see what you got all right well my Since first story cat my first story takes place at the circus oh i love the circus who doesn't my dad and i went every year you know, it takes a certain kind of person to work at the circus. Yeah. You know, it takes training. It takes skill, nerves. You got to have a the tight sense you have of a daring. Skill. Yeah, skill. And you got to have some fearlessness, right? Of course. I mean, think about the jobs that are available if you want to work tamer. at the circus. Lion tamer. one. Uh, Elephant trainer. Yeah. Clown car driver. You got to be, the, <laughs> you could be that motorcycle family that goes in the little ball and yeah, jumps those through fiery are, hoops. Those guys are insane. But, you know, not everybody's cut out for those kind of jobs. Um, which brings me to the subject of my first story. His name is Christoph Baskus. Oh. We'll just call him Chris. I like that idea. Uh, he was a 24-year-old guy from Poland, and he landed himself a gig at this thing called the Christian Grus Circus. Hmm. I've never heard of it, but... Probably I've a never Barnum been to the and Bailey offshoot. Uh, that's right. So, <laughs> So what did he do? Was he was he one of those motorcycle guys? No. Elephant trainer? Tightrope walker? Fire eater? Trapeze? What death-defying role did Chris play in this theater that we call circus? What do you think? Well, he was no risk taker. Let's put it that way. Let's start off with that. He was not one of your typical daredevils who spent his whole life with the dream of working in the circus, you know, oh. not a calling. In fact, he was a meek, kind of a meek musician. Oh. And he had landed a job playing the trumpet in the orchestra oh. for the circus. Oh. So he was a trumpet player in need of a gig and a paycheck, and he found a job at the circus. And he got to see pretty girls in leotards. Yeah, absolutely. Probably a good gig. Yeah. Of all the jobs at the circus, you would think that one would be the safest, the safest one, yeah. right? Of course. I mean, think about it. Like even the cotton candy vendor, uh, they have they to have go to up and down the stairs. stairs. They yeah. could take a header. <laughs> it's over. Um, the gal making the churros could Burn drop her face into the f- deep fryer or something. Yeah, you know, see? that could be over. Um, parking lot attendant, run over by a car, etc. But or the trumpet player, yeah. he's he's surely he's safe. Exactly. Or is he? That's, this is an irony episode. So on the night in question... The circus archer, Tony Mm. Bertolazzi, Mm. was attempting to burst a small balloon held by his partner about 30 feet away. So Tony cocked 
mm-hmm. and loaded his crossbow, steadied himself, took aim, and let the arrow fly. Uh-oh. Unfortunately, on this night, the arrow flew past a protective shield that was set up behind the target and into the orchestra area. Oh, oh, oh. where the irony comes in. <laughs> Sadly, the arrow found its way to Chris's face <laughs> and penetrated his skull just under his eye. He was rushed to a hospital. They were in the south area of France uh, in a town called Abenas. And he died from severe brain damage. So perhaps there is no such thing as a safe job. At at the the circus. circus. I know. That was a sad sad story. I mean, guy's just trying to play trumpet. You know, for Christ's sake. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, not not good for Chris. Yeah. Didn't work out. But that's uh, that's my first story at the circus. It's a good one. Here, take the cat. Come on, Tommy. Get over there. Come on. Come on. All right. Well, my, my first story is short but sweet, mm-hmm. uh, and there are so many things that went wrong on this one, and it could have been, you know, easily avoided, but of course, then we would, you know, would be short my intro story, <laughs> so right. we have to look at the circumstances and just appreciate the immense level of irony and be grateful it wasn't us, so True. hoorah. <laughs> so, Marshall Gambrel was a 25-year-old man from Alexandria, Virginia. And it was February 1992, and he'd been visiting his relatives in Connecticut. So here he was, driving in beautiful Hamden, Connecticut, when he suddenly lost control of his car for unknown reasons. Hmm. And he then crashed into a cemetery. And that is bad mojo. That's not good. It's not good. Of all the places. Yeah, so Marshall loses control, crosses the lanes of the road, crossed the grassy areas, went through the large hedgerow of shrubs, and then into the Beaverdale Memorial Park Cemetery, which by itself would be bad enough, but Marshall was not wearing his seatbelt. Oh, boy. Because he's what we lovingly call in the range for young men. (laughs) (laughs) Do we need to explain uh, what the range is? Surely by now they got it. By now they have it. They they know what the range is by now. So here's where the irony comes in. Okay. So he was thrown from his vehicle head first into a marble tombstone, said police. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so Marshall later died of his head injuries caused by the impact with the tombstone. Wow. He and took I a s- header into the headstone. Yeah, so he had headstone head trauma. <laughs> and I swear that this story is completely true. Headstone head trauma. Nice. Oh, my Lord almighty. Yeah. Well, that's funny. That's it's, a good one, right? It, it's a good one, and it's ironic because of my next story. Yeah? has to do with seatbelts. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. A young chap by the name of Derek Keeper, which was spelled K-I-E-P-E-R. Um, this is a story about him, uh, and this has to do with seatbelts. See, now, I am of the age where I was around when seatbelts were first being introduced into cars. Mm. They weren't commonplace when I was a child and when 
they started enforcing those rules and starting making them laws that you had to wear them, um, there was quite a lot of bitching going on. Really? People didn't want to wear them. Um, I look back now at that and I think, what idiots Whoa. we all were. <laughs> but um, no matter how much evidence exists about how they save thousands of lives and all that other stuff, there still exists a small group of people drivers and people just in general who are determined not to wear them they're just not going to wear them hey there's people that don't <clears throat> want to wear helmets on their motorcycles yes and i did see a lot of those stories yeah. as well or as my sister the nurse and i like to call them donor cycles donor cycles very great nice. great place to get organs yeah so these people that don't uh want to wear seat belts they cite a number of reasons they're too uncomfortable uh i remember a commercial that said uh, it went, seatbelts, they're too confining. You hear that. And then you hear, <laughs> you know, that was, the, that was the radio spot. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and by God, lives. they would have kept you in that car. That's right. <laughs> Instead of throwing you into the headstone. So they say they're too uncomfortable. They're too confining. They don't believe that they actually work. Uh, some even think that wearing a seatbelt can actually cause you more damage or can kill you in certain circumstances rather than, oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Uh, and some of them are opposed to it just because the government is telling them they have to do it. <laughs> and they don't want that going on for any reason. Yeah. So one such person is Derek Keeper. And he's a 21-year-old. Am, am I my David's keeper? Yeah. Or Derek. Derek. Keeper. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have hit it. Uh, he's a 21-year-old senior at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. He's a smart, yeah, definitely smart, funny, and intense young man who loved a good debate and would do anything for his friends. Aww. He'd give him the skin off his back. <laughs> That's good, baby. Uh, in an editorial entitled "Individual Rights Buckle Under Seatbelt Laws." Mm. published in the Daily Nebraskan. Derek writes, he wrote wow, an editorial. how clever. Yes. Uh, some of the things he wrote in that article, uh, that Uncle Sam is not here to regulate every facet of life, no matter the consequences. Oh, mm. I feel that it's going to haunt him. And then from a bipartisan perspective, he says, Democrats and Republicans alike should stand together to stop these laws that are incongruous Incongruous. Mm. That's the right inflection there, right? Yeah. Incongruous with the ideals of both parties. Hmm. Hmm. He went on to say, as laws become increasingly strict for seatbelts, fewer people will respond positively by bucking up, buckling up in response to these laws. I don't understand that theory. Yeah. Uh, there seems to be a diehard group of non-wearers out there who simply do not wish to buckle up no matter what the government does. I belong to this group Ooh. and perhaps word. perhaps prophetically he adds if i want to be the jerk that flirts with death and rides around with my seatbelt off uh -oh. i should be able to do that uh -oh. any idea where the story's oh, going oh man yeah i see some foreshadowing yes so derek and his two 21 year old also in the uh -huh. range pals were returning from a trip to san antonio when their Ford Explorer they were traveling in hit an icy patch on Interstate 80, 
It veered off the road, rolled several times, and ended in a ditch. The driver and the front seat passenger, both wearing their seatbelts, escaped with minor injuries. But poor Derek. He was seated in the back seat and, of course, proudly not wearing his seatbelts. By gum. He was ejected from the car and died from his injuries. Dun, dun, dun. Well, he showed them. <laughs> Take that, government. Yeah, he really let them have it, too. He did. He really did. I mean, <laughs> he, uh, I hope they all learned a lesson, too. Right. I'm sure. That, I, I, think mean. That, I think that was the point where they repealed all of those seatbelt laws. Yeah, and said, you see how stupid we've all been? Do you see how stupid we've all been passing these ridiculous laws? We should have listened to Derek. Yes, we should have. We, we should definitely not make him laws because we would be saving people like Derek. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's yeah. terrible. Yeah, that's not what I meant to say. No. I meant to say something that was sensitive and I, and I didn't. Um, here, your turn with the stupid cat. <laughs> Come here, kid. <laughs> Kitty. We just keep pushing this giant <laughs> fatso of a cat that will not relent across the table yeah that's yeah, my turn yeah so because he keep, he he refuses to not swat and try to eat your paper right. when you're trying to talk and stay out of your face all right all right so my next story um takes us to one of my favorite cities in the world and we've been a lot of places and i do love london and paris and bruges and cork cork is cool um but to this day, one of my favorite cities remains New Orleans, Louisiana. Yes, New Orleans. I love Nolans. Nolans, Louisiana. And Nola is where we will go for my next story of irony. Mm. Get off my <laughs> cord, you batso. Um, and in August of 1985, it was a summer to celebrate in New Orleans. City lifeguards were having a huge annual pool party for themselves. Hmm. And this year was better than ever because this was the first year without a single drowning incident. Well, that's nice. Well, I know it. And the atmosphere was electric. I'll bet. There Celebratory. Were, yeah, exactly. I mean, this is a big deal to have gone all year without a single drowning. And uh, we can say for sure here in Texas that that doesn't happen. I mean, um, it, it gets, it's bad. It's, uh, we lose, a, I mean, children and adults alike. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's bad. So uh, there were over 200 people at the pool party and half of them were lifeguards. Oh, so hundred, yeah, hundred, hundred, hundred lifeguards at this party, and of course, in the always putting safety first mentality, they they had four lifeguards on duty as well. Wow, yeah, so they don't, they you know, they don't let their guard down. Uh, The pool party was a wonderful time, and all guests had a great time celebrating their successful season of watching over the city of Nolan. Nice. And that, well. What well, could go wrong? That was until one of the guests, 
31-year-old Jerome Moody was found at the bottom of the deep end. Hmm. Jerome was fully clothed and had not been swimming with the other guests at the New Orleans Recreational Department Center, Director Madeline Richards said. Um, well, obviously, I certainly do not swim fully clothed. <laughs> Hello. Um, what? The lifeguards were really upset. Hmm. It's a real tragedy, she said. Oh. This was the first annual party in memory where they could celebrate a trouble-free season. We had all been talking about it. It was the first season without a single drowning incident. Oops. Until then. Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. (laughs) Sadly, the lifeguards were unable to revive Jerome. An autopsy did confirm his death was drowning. (laughs) Knocking this season back in line with the others in terms of incidents, but perhaps putting a little more salt in the wound because it is doubtful any other drowning incidents occurred with quite this many lifeguards present, and obviously not during their celebration celebration ceremonies while they were patting themselves on the backs for not having any drownings. <laughs> Hopefully it occurred outside of their season. So they can still hold on to the Well, uh, then it would just go into the season. next season. Oh, that's right? true. Well, so, at least no. give them one season. For no, 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 no. It, it, was, uh, it was the end of their season. But yeah, so a hundred lifeguards partying with four, and four on duty. And, and one, one fully dressed guy at the bottom, bottom of the deep, of the deep end. <laughs> <laughs> what is he doing down there? Yeah. Uh, well, he wasn't swimming. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's why I thought uh, for her quote to be that he was fully clothed and had not been swimming with the other guests. I was like, well, no shit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't swim fully clothed. And given the fact that he was at the bottom of the pool, I think it's quite obvious he wasn't swimming. Right? Not well. Not, I mean, he, he <laughs> certainly wasn't very good at it. Yeah. If he was, <laughs> he was terrible. Yeah. I mean... You know, I certainly wouldn't suggest he continue swimming in that way. He could probably use a couple of lessons. Yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah. Uh, but not by these lifeguards. <laughs> no. <laughs> Let's get some third yeah. parties involved here. Yeah. Well, that's, so, yeah. that's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's ironic. Yeah. That is pretty ironic. How do you drown at a lifeguard party for well, no drowning? Yeah. Well, he wasn't swimming, so it's even weirder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How does that happen? Yeah. Well, that was a good one, huh? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Well, my last story is kind of short, but kind of fun in an ironic way. Well, that's we, what we're here for. <clears throat> we got a guy named Troy Leon Gregg. Oh, that's, that's three that's fantastic. names. That's three first names. So he's probably a serial killer. He's a killer. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a great guy. He wasn't a serial killer, but he was hitchhiking, and he was picked up by Fred Simmons and Bob Moore. And he later admitted that he did shoot them and rob them and mm. steal their car. Yeah. And he's so not a, he's not a nice guy. He was convicted at trial. And then in Georgia, I guess they require a separate trial to determine punishment in a, a capital case. So the Georgia Supreme Court held that putting Greg to death would be constitutional. So he was put on death row awaiting oh. execution. And he served about eight years before his execution day. However, 
the mm-hmm. day before his execution was scheduled, Greg, along with three other condemned murderers, escaped from the Georgia State Prison in Reedsville. Mm. Theirs was the first death row breakout in Georgia history, which is pretty exciting. The four had sawn through the bars of their cells and had walked along a ledge to a fire escape. Um, they had altered their uh, outfits to look, resemble guard <laughs> outfits. Their outfits. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call them? Their outfits. Their outfits. <laughs> what? <laughs> what do you call them? Their clothes. How's that? Okay. They're ensemble. How's that? (laughs) That's so much better. (laughs) Okay. Um, Oh, my God. How dare you? uh, Yeah. Their outfits and their their matching. They uh, They left in a car that was stashed there by the aunts of one of these guys. Mm Mm-hmm. So where's the irony, you may ask? Mm -hmm. Well, Greg was beaten to death later that night in a biker bar (laughs) (laughs) in North Carolina. (laughs) And his body was found in a nearby lake. Yeah. Hey, this guy looks familiar. Yeah, so he was, uh, he escaped the electric chair or whatever they were going to do to him the next day. And then he died the day earlier by being beaten to death. Which is a far more appropriate death form anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I liked it. I like that too. Okay. Short and sweet. I think it's a good one. Thank you. Short and sweet. Yeah, I like that. Thank you. So my my last one is is a pretty, is good in that same regard. Nice. Because I saved it for last because it's both a great case of irony and poetic justice, which is kind of what yours was, is poetic justice. Um, so you can't possibly go wrong with, you know, store, you know, poetic justice and them being the last one. Get this podcat away from Come here, Come on. cat. Take this fatso away. Come here. Come here. So for those of you listening, go. when the podcat doesn't get the attention he wants, he starts swatting at you and trying to grab you. Unbelievable. So, um, so anyway, now mine starts off not, uh, mine starts off a little rough, but don't worry. It gets, it gets better. All right. Um, but there are uh, many different kinds of animal cruelty, like not giving the podcat the attention he like wants. Like the kind of cruelty I'm about to lay on this <laughs> stupid cat. <laughs> uh, you know, as far as Tummy's concerned, not giving him the uh, attention he wants is, is, is animal, cruel. Is cruel. Yeah. Um, but almost all end in, in tragedy where the animal is the victim and the rest of us that are human feel sick. And this is particularly true when it comes to organized fighting of animals. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's bad. Uh, always outrageously cruel. And the animals suffer for the entertainment of low-life, subhuman individuals. And, uh, and I would say that it never ends well. Um, well, I mean, at least almost never. Mm. Almost never. I'm intrigued. I know, this is going to be a good one. So cockfighting is an example of these organized animal cruelty rings. And it is a blood sport, for those of you that are not very familiar with it. And it has been around for hundreds of years. And 
Uh, so cockfighting is where the two cocks, or roosters, are put in a ring, and they are forced to fight until one of them is dead or maimed so badly it can no longer fight. Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty bad. But that wouldn't be nearly cruel enough to keep the interest and betting public's attention. So not only are they in a ring with no uh, possible way to escape, but they're armed. <laughs> they're armed. They're armed. Uh, they have blades uh, surgically attached to their feet. Surgically attached. Yeah. Surgically attached. Yeah, called gaffs. Uh, that way they can tear and rip at the other bird, getting through the tough feathers and hide, uh, making for a much better show for those spectators. Like a razor blade kind of? Yes, oh, yeah, razor yeah. blades and, uh, yeah, and knives, oh. yeah. <laughs> because, you know, in the wild, uh, for mating rights and territory, uh, roosters, and uh, they will fight, but... Nobody ever gets really hurt. It's more of a display to show off for the ladies. Mm-hmm. Nobody gets hurt. But, um, and so the only way to make it really interesting for these pieces of shit humans is to make sure that somebody gets hurt. Sure. So uh, the other thing they do is their spurs on their legs are also removed to make space for more gaffs so that the bird is even more deadly. Oh, so. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty bad. And this will become very important later in our story. Okay. The birds are then trained their entire lives to be cruel, aggressive, and fearless. Because only the strong will survive. And, of course, the people who have these animals, um, this is how they make their money. You know. This is their career. This is, their, this is what they do. So this takes us to Bakersfield, California. On January 30th, 2011. All right. And apparently, Bakersfield is a place you can go for the very illegal, air quotes here, sport of cockfighting. And on this particular night, it was absolutely the cocks who won. Police responded to an anonymous call about a cockfight and were told they needed to respond right away because... There's a situation. Uh-huh. Click. The police are like, uh, okay, well, a cockfight's illegal, and we're going to get our butts over there, and we're going to round these suckers up. And obviously, with cockfighting being illegal, and therefore, it also breeds other illegal activity, like illegal betting and all that. So police arrive and s- surround the place and begin a roundup, just start collecting people. And before long, however, they were able to identify what that, quote, situation was. They find Jose Luis Ochoa in a very bad situation. (laughs) He is weak and bleeding from a gaping wound to his thigh. Jose explains in the commotion as the birds were being rounded up that one of the roosters angry and not finished with his fight, flew at him and began attacking him. (laughs) (laughs) And, quote, the knife, as he called it, attached to the bird's legs, made it quite the force to be reckoned with. So it was an armed assault. (laughs) Yes. And Jose was unable to defend himself from the angry poultry. 
Angry yes. The rooster sliced open his leg and escaped along with the other angry birds. Wow. Yeah. And though he was taken to the hospitals, hospital and doctors did everything they could, they were unable to stop the bleeding. Because, babe, I know you know what was severed here. What is in the thigh that would cause it to bleed so bad? Be the femoral artery. Oh, baby. Thank you. You pay attention. That is exactly right. So, unable to stop the bleeding, Jose died at the hospital. But before we go shedding any tears, Jose was no angel, I might add. This was not his first brush with the law on illegal cockfighting. He had paid... $370 in fines previously after admitting to owning and training animals for fighting. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately for Jose, in this match, his rooster won. (laughs) Yeah, he trained him well. Yeah, and I'm betting the over-under on those odds was pretty crazy. (laughs) I'm not thinking anybody bet on the rooster Taken, beaten Jose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in case you're wondering and thinking, did she just say $370? Did she say like under $400? I mean, did she say it was a fine? Yes. In most states, cockfighting is a misdemeanor. If that upsets you, it's time for you to write your congressperson. Or better yet, maybe we just need to better arm the roosters i'm not sure which nice yeah so sorry sorry jose i suppose the roosters won this round this is interesting this is the second story we've done where an animal has severed person's femoral artery yes the beaver was the the other one number one yeah and now the rooster (laughs) yeah maybe maybe they are starting to have underground meetings, mm-hmm. and they've said, we've learned that there's this soft spot <laughs> on the thigh of humans, and if you get them right there, it's over. It's over. They can't even save each other. <laughs> Let's hope that's not the case, because <laughs> yeah. we'll be in big trouble. Yeah, we will be in big trouble, because we've got a hard time saving each other if, they, if, if the animals figure out that... They can get our femoral artery because it's kind of low to the ground and easy to get to. Yeah. So, anyway, that's a pretty good one, huh? That was great. Killed by an angry rooster that you attached. Justified. Justifiable homicide, for sure. (laughs) And then all those little, and can you imagine, though, you're just like walking along in California and all of a sudden there's this angry rooster that's like, what, what, you looking at me? Right. What? You want a piece of this? You know, and you're like, I think that rooster's packing. Like, he's got like... I got six razor blades on his feet. He's got like razor blades on his... I think think that bird looks dangerous. I think he's in a gang. Don't make eye contact. (laughs) (laughs) Just keep walking. I mean... um. (laughs) Oh, Lordy Lou. That's a dangerous cock right there. That's the biggest cock (laughs) on the block. No comment. 
All right. All so, right. So what about yeah. your sources, baby? Uh, the Orlando Sentinel, UPI, and Time. And I also had some stuff from the Orlando Sentinel, which is strange. Yeah. Uh, Daily Nebraskan, who gave of us course. that editorial yeah. from Mr. Uh, Keeper. Yeah. Um, Wikipedia, Murderpedia, and Snopes.com. Nice. Fantastic. What else so, do you want to tell these people, hon? Well, you got to rate, review, and subscribe. I mean, that's what keeps us in business. That's I right. I mean, you know, We've iTunes is not, not going to keep paying us if you guys don't. <laughs> Don't give us five stars and don't start reviewing us. They're going to stop right. paying us, and we'll have to go back to our day jobs. That's right. And I just ordered all the the gold uh, sinks for our bathrooms and stuff. Yeah, and, and so I, don't, I, I do ha- not want to return. If those we have things. to send those things back, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah. So please yeah. don't do that to us. Yeah. Please. Yeah, that's going to make me mad. We've gotten used and, to this rock and, and roll and lifestyle. I, yeah, exactly. And I don't want to have to send the podcast back. I mean. You know what? Got to get a nanny for the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna have to do something with this podcast. He he's decided that we are a captive audience. If anybody that has a cat, you're probably aware of the fact that if you try to go in like the bathroom and shut the door, that that is your cat's clue that you are sitting and you're captive and you can't get away, and you can't you can't. There's nothing you can do. You can push them and shove them, but you're stuck like you can't get away you can't escape the cat and they're like he 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 and that's when they try that's when they 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 decide to assault you and they've and so this cat has figured out that when we are doing this podcast that is the time to assault us because we can't do anything about it that's right i mean we can't the show must go on yeah we have he knows it he knows we can't (laughs) do anything about it and he can maul us and we can't make any loud noises. We can't do anything. All we can do is push him. And he's like, huh, nah, nothing you can do about it. So anyway, we're going to have to hire a nanny. because. And so, <laughs> so if you know any good cat nannies, yeah, let us know. Let it, please let us know. Write and, us at countingwormspodcast yeah. at gmail.com. Yes, please do. So. All right. So until next time. Live big. Rest in peace. The, the worms, worms are, are waiting. waiting.